Welcome to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we will discuss all things related to physical preparation, including rehab, performance, and education. Welcome back to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance. I'm Dr. Nick Perugini, joined today with Coach Robert Bina. What's going on, guys? Dr. Ray Carr. How's everyone doing today? And we have a special guest today, Nick Massioli. What's up, guys? How are we doing? Thanks for having me. On today's episode, we're going to basically hear Nick's story. Uh, just a little general overview on, on Nick. Nick is a, a Westchester University graduate uh, in 2014, you know, studied exercise and sports science. You know, Nick also worked with the Rob Rubina over at our facility MSI as a strength and conditioning coach. You know, Nick went on to uh, get his, his license uh, massage therapy and has experience, you know, working in, in many different fields in the strength conditioning uh, field, uh, such as in the professional baseball uh, with Pittsburgh Pirates and has also moved on to uh, the director of uh, performance at Second Baptist uh, which is a high school down in Texas. So we're going to let Nick kind of talk about his, his journey uh, in, in these different fields of strength conditioning, you know, and, and massage therapy, and ultimately how some of those things have shaped his current, you know, thought process and model in his current role as director of performance at, at Second Baptist. So Nick, we'll kind of let you, uh, let, let you take from there, and, and we're excited to hear your story. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said before, you know, I'm excited to be on this podcast with you guys. And thank you just for having me. And like, like you did say, Nick, I have trained with the Rob Rubina. And so that's where I'll start my story. Um, that's really where I actually got into things was Rob. I, I was a uh, undergrad at Westchester University. I had just finished up playing baseball the year prior and uh, sort of had like the, that 20-year-old crisis, 21-year-old crisis of, hey, wow, like, what am I going to do with my degree? I don't feel prepared. And, you know, I, I ended up running into Rob, um, who just started as the, the sports performance director at uh, Maple Zone, um, very, very recent to that time. And I asked him, like, hey, man, like, I'd love to just learn from you. Um, teach me everything you know. And so, uh, yeah, Rob was really good to me. I worked with Rob as an intern probably for about a year, um, Rob. And then I think for about another eighth month window, I, I worked as his assistant strength coach when I graduated uh, from Westchester. And then through there, I, I went to massage therapy school, which Rob and John had both uh, um, urged me to do. And I never would have done that if it weren't for them. So I went to get uh, my soft tissue license just to be able to be a little bit more hands-on with our, my athletes in whatever sector I was sort of looking for. I think my entire time too, I really never necessarily knew what type of field or setting I wanted to be in. I think I just wanted to soak everything and learn. So I ended up doing an internship in, uh, in Indianapolis at IFAST in 2015. From there, I got the connection to the Pittsburgh Pirates right after I did that in the fall of 2015. So for, from 2016 to 2018, I worked as a minor league strength and conditioning coach with the Pittsburgh Pirates and learned a ton there. Um, just big organization stuff, how to corral 100 to 200 athletes at one time, um, a little bit more of a college setting there. And then 
when I was there, you know, I, I sort of learned, hey, like, I just don't think I want to be a major league strength coach. And I just don't necessarily feel like this is the type of setting I want to be in. Um, and so I ended up going back to grad school, getting my master's at Strasburg, following once again in the Robert Venus footsteps. <laughs> and I got my master's in just this past year, back in 2019. And really from that point, I was actually thinking like academia, actually coming on board and sort of teaching and uh, also running a sort of private business, uh, training, training young athletes uh, with, a, with a friend of mine that I graduated with. And, you know, I just got a phone call out of the blue from a connection I had. They were looking for a strength coach down in Houston, Texas. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm down here uh, running our program. So uh, I, I can honestly say it's, it's been a crazy ride, to say the least. But, you know, all those things have definitely shaped how I do things. And the one thing I feel like I've learned the most is, you know, y your model is always evolving. And even as you're doing your job right now. So, you know, even the model that I have or I had back in June when I started last year in 2019, you know, it's, it's, it's significantly different, you know, and a lot of that is because of the environment you're in, the constraints that you have based off the coaches you work with, the time constraints you have. And so you always have these firm ideologies and, and, and practices that you, that you hold on to. Maybe those are what you would call pillars, but you have to be able to shape those into what you can do you know and the athletes that you do have you know and the type of athlete that you have like their personalities their upbringing you know are they you know are they wealthy are they are they middle class you know like those, those things all matter you know and and those are things especially now working with high school even middle school and then even next year um as they get more into physical education with our younger younger kids you know all that's uh, all that stuff matters and so that's what really a lot of my learning has been in is you know a lot of the psych stuff and, you know, just um, skill acquisition and how to sort of interact and, and coach specific athletes. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's generally my path, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of other things we can talk about, but yeah, that's really where I am right now. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to keep moving forward. Yeah. Nick, I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, your, your roles and responsibilities, you know, currently um, as director of, of performance and, and kind of what is a, what does a day-to-day look like? you know, for you in that, in that role? Yeah. So, um, my role's continually expanding. Um, but for right now, for this year, it's been really, um, as a director of performance, I, I have a lot of responsibility with our high schoolers. And so really what my job is right now is just the overall performance in the weight room. And then really just helping and guiding coaches through their practices and how they can get some type of, uh, other training in and um, how to guide their practices to, to enhance performance. So I work with coaches on how to um, help with their practices. I have kids come in the weight room. Usually they're in the mornings and in the afternoons. So we really don't have an athletic period where kids can come in throughout the day. So really we're just predicated on getting our training in, in the mornings before school and then about a two, two and a half hour window after. So it definitely causes some challenges just not having a lot of time with so many athletes but you just sort of make things work uh, just with the opportunities that you have. Um, so a lot of my stuff is done in the weight room. I spent a lot of time in the weight room. Um, I work with uh, our fifth and sixth PE kids in the mornings as well, um, which has been so much fun. And, and one of the reasons why I'm doing actually a little bit more next year with our, our physical education, but really I just give these kids tools just to be able to become better athletes, you know, nothing crazy. And I'm not doing anything out of this world, but really just educating these kids 
And, you know, a lot of that times this is general organic conversations on nutrition, sleep, all that type of jazz that we all talk about, but really just corralling these uh, troops and really creating a culture of working hard, being consistent, having general standards. And just through that, these kids are just going to generally get better just because of that. So really the big thing for me and the goal for me this year was to create a culture of kids just having fun in the weight room, wanting to come in, feeling this empowerment, they are getting better. And you know, just educating them on why we do certain things certain ways. Right. So that's really been my role. And, you know, moving forward, you know, a lot of that's going to be a little bit more into uh, developing our, our curriculum for, for PE and how we um, are teaching game and skill and learning acquisition for some of our younger population in the youth, the youth development courses. Right. So that's going to be something that I'm really looking forward to. It's something I probably have as challenges but I'm really excited because there's just so much cool things you can do with those kids at that age that really set up a good foundation for when they get to the high school level, you know, and a lot of times you're doing similar things too, just some general things. But uh, yeah, so that's a little bit of what I'm, my day in and day out day looks like. And then also the get on top of that as well. I'll, I always attend our games. I'll help our athletic director if he needs anything with regards to setting up um, certain things and just being there for our kids, you know? Yeah. Nick, you know, you, you, you mentioned this idea of, you know, evolving models and evolving, you know, ideologies. I think that's, that's just so important to, uh, you know, to, to grasp. And what, what I'd love to hear is, you know, maybe some things that have kind of changed over your past, you know, year, you know, two years of, of being a coach. You know, you, you also kind of, you know, mentioned some things here, you know, skill acquisition, right, and long-term athletic development. Would love to hear how, you know, your environment has maybe shaped, you know, some of, some of the, you know, new, you know, ways that you're looking at, at, at some of these concepts. Yeah, sure. Um, definitely a lot of things, you know, have changed um, over, over the past couple of years, I would say. But primarily, I think this year for me has been on, uh, you know, definitely you talk about like long-term athletic development, skill acquisition, and really – understanding that like a lot of like performance you know has to has to do with like decision making and 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 kids understanding you know you know a lot of a lot of people sort of talked about and i've heard people say this before but you know you know athlete the best athletes are your are, are phds in their sports and like really they're the best decision makers so trying to find ways in the weight room and then even in our practices to create better decision makers and so incorporating the brain um, allowing kids to problem solve, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of that has to do with natural play, but, you know, in this day and age, a lot of kids don't really know how to do that. So creating, um, a lot of my drills, I think I would say are, are very less constructed and there's a little bit more of a loose model to it. So, you know, I try to create a environment or a task of, of a drill or maybe a, an action that I want um, them to, uh, be able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. But I sort of let them sort of uh, problem solve that and figure it out for themselves. You know, and I think there's this concept of repetition without repetition. Right. I've been reading that a lot. And, you know, even how I coach specific exercises in the weight room, you know, you know, when you think about just in sport in general, there might be some type of lateral movement, change of direction. There is some type of commonality. But at the end of the day, not everything is going to be replicated exactly the same. So allowing kids like, you know, maybe – you know, explore that and try to find the best movement solution, you know? So 
when in our warmups, we're trying to do that every time. I'm trying to give these, these kids opportunities to explore some movement, um, you know, and then even through running and jumping, allowing them to explore those patterns with specific types of things we do. So a lot of things I try to do is create some type of competitive nature with it, some type of uh, task-oriented um, cue to sort of try to get something that I'm trying for them to, to adapt to. So I would say a lot of that um, has sort of shaped how I, I do a lot of my warms and prepping for um, my workouts and how I, how I run my stations for our warm-ups. And then even going into our actual lifts, you know, I, you know, I've really even sort of tried to understand that repetition with that repetition, even with how we train movement patterns, you know, you know, it's, you know, a lot of times, you know, like you get these visions of what a perfect squat looks like or what a perfect split squat looks like. And, you know, I think there's definitely, um, mile markers that you want to see, but at the same time, I'm, I'm realizing like, Hey, like, that sort of looks okay too, you know, like that might be beneficial for that athlete, you know, as long as you're doing it a healthy and you're, and you're keeping, uh, you know, like a, a no harm done rule, you know, I think there's a lot of ways to sort of see like how a split squat can be done, you know, or how a lateral lunge can be done, you know, and, um, you know, those are things that I'm trying to really, even for myself, just sort of allow kids figure things out for themselves and explore that moving pattern, you know, and I, I think I, we talked about this before, but you know, repetitions, man, are a great coach. You know, the more reps you can get these kids to do, you know, the more they start figuring out like the best movement solution for themselves, you know? And so I think that's one thing I've been really learning is that not, not every athlete is going to be the same. You know, I have a kid that's going to probably play top, a power five conference in football next year and everything comes easy to them. And then you have that other kid that, you know, heck, you know, you're just trying to improve a healthy lifestyle. And one day he has tools to succeed and, you know, be able to, you know, live a healthy lifestyle, but he still does sports, you know, because he loves it, you know, they're not going to present themselves the same way, you know? And so I think being a coach, you have to be able to, you have to be able to consider that and understand that. Excellent. And I, I can't help, but think about, you know, something you just said there about, you know, allowing your, allowing your athletes to, you know, be variable, right. And understanding that, you know, the movements aren't always going to look the same and things aren't always going to be perfect. And it reminded me of a conversation that we actually had with Rob uh, two or three podcasts ago about, you know, one of the things that he really picked up and has evolved in his practice, you know, working with the professional athletes and not, you know, expecting every movement to be so perfect and be so rigid, but to allow for, you know, a window of variability within those movements and not, not to get too, um, you know, concerned when something doesn't look exactly how you would expect it to look. Um, so I think that's, you know, commonality between, you know, probably both you guys and, and, and how you have evolved your, your model. Yeah. And I, and I think another thing too, and this is something that I, just in the setting that I'm in, you know, like you're going to have kids that love being in the weight room, can't get them out. You're going to have other kids that, you know, you get them in the weight room and you teach them things and they see the environment and they start loving it and they want to be in there more. And then naturally speaking, there's just kids that just aren't going to, gravitate to the weight room like they just don't have an affinity for it and that's something I had to realize that's okay you know and you know I have all three of those groups or or that person in my weight room sessions all the time so I'm gonna have a guy that can't stop being in the weight room he loves it and then I'm gonna have another athlete that doesn't want to be there you know so for me it's like that I've had to like understand and create my training sessions where it's like how can I accommodate for both those types of people 
you know? And so I think a big thing is like, you know, make the weight room fun. You know, like the kids are craving games. Kids are craving like the desire just to compete and have fun. And so I think that's something that needs to be incorporated into any type of training setting, whether that's a practice for, you know, a sport, um, things you do in the weight room, you know, like that's just so huge, you know, cause kids, kids need to be motivated and you just got to figure a way to motivate them. And, you know, that was one thing I was learning really quickly. It was like, man, like there's just kids that just don't want to do things. Well, how do I find a way to do it? And, you know, if you make things fun, man, they'll, they'll start doing it, you know? And so I try to do that in every one of my, my training sessions, man, that kids, when they come in, at least they know like, man, like we're going to start off, we're going to do something fun and it's going to like sort of challenge me. And, you know, kids start like figuring things out and getting better and they don't even realize they are. So, yeah, I think that's a big thing too, to like my, my model is that, you know, making things fun, you know, and, and I think that's huge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, um, it, yeah. Yeah. I had a quick question. I mean, I think, you know, I think so many, you know, like people in your position, like strive to get to the professional level. Right. So like, I'm interested just, you know, not to like, go backwards here but like you know just what ultimately led to you leaving and then from a coaching perspective you know how have you had to kind of like teeter your style from the professional level to now like what the high school level is yeah um great great question so you know I think everyone you I think a lot of coaches and I think uh there sometimes might be this, this notion that, you know, the best jobs in the performance sector are the, the head, the head professional jobs, you know, and don't get me wrong. They're probably amazing, especially if you're the type of person that was what um, wants to do that, you know, at the same time, you know, you have to realize that at those levels, you know, there's a lot of time sacrifice and there's a lot, it, it's just a, not a normal style of life, I would say, you know? And so, if that's still something you, sh you strive to do, that's great. Just know what you're getting into, you know? And for me, like I need to experience being in professional baseball to realize that I didn't want to be a major league strength coach. You know, I would never have known that if I wasn't there, you know, and those three years, huge, huge um, strides in who I became as a person, as a coach. Um, but you just don't know what you want to do until you get to the next thing, you know, sometimes. So some people do, you know, for me, I was still sort of figuring out what kind of coach I wanted to be. And so I think um, this job was appealing to me because it, it was a place that, you know, it was young athletes, um, which I love working with. And, you know, it's just a great community of people. So, and it was a place where I just knew I could settle down and, and really make something for myself. So, uh, yeah, it's a great gig. I absolutely love it. And it's once again, it's just, I found that I love this um, style of, of coaching, you know, this, in, in the environment that I'm in, you know, so I think for, you know, people that are listening, it's, you know, you really don't know what you want to do until maybe you try it out, you know, and so, and that's completely okay. And, you know, heck, I could be here for 50 years, I could be here another year, you know, who knows. Um, but I do love what I do. And I do love the setting. And, um, you know, the way I sort of construct things, you know, to sort of go off that question on how I've taken some information I've gotten from other places to what I do now, you know, yeah, like I use things, principles and structure of 
obsessions in certain ways from the pirates and from when I was with Rob, like, you know, I still hold on to a lot of things Rob taught me, you know, at the same time too. Um, you just uh, have to figure out what you like and, and what you think is going to work. So, you know, I think everything that I've uh, been through as a coach has, has, has some type of um, imprint on the type of program I've had. So uh, yeah, no, they're all good things that have really impacted it. Nick, in the in the past two decades here, you know, there's been a you know a, a rise in sports specialization, um, and you know, really, you know, what that's led to is it's led to you know maybe decreased play, right? Decreased um, experiences in 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 different movement patterns or different environments. You know, I'd love to hear you know how you define this concept of long term athletic development. Right. And kind of compare that. What would be on the other end of the spectrum? Um, just for, just for some of our listeners who maybe are not familiar with that term, long-term athletic development, and maybe some of the, some of the ways that, you know, when, when you, when you hear that, how you are incorporating concepts that promote long-term athletic development in some of your athletes. Yeah, sure. You know, and, and even to go into that, you know, I, I think I'm still very, um, new to the concept as well you know I think like I said being in this setting has gotten me to more of that direction and and understanding a little bit more but you know when I think a long long term athletic development you know I, I, I try to I try to tell this to my coaches you know and I, um, with almost like a four-point scale you know for for you know a lot of my coaches they've worked in college settings so sometimes it's tough for them to see their athlete outside of their sport mm -hmm. and so what i try to tell our athletes like first and foremost like these people are human beings so like but first and foremost like we need to we need to train or cater what we do with our kids to make them better humans you know then number two they're students you know they're they're students that um have other stressors in their life with their families as well and we need to be accommodating that as well. Thirdly, they are athletes. And then fourthly, they're your specific sport. So that's how I sort of see things when it comes to long-term athletic development, that like you have to, at that young age, like there's just so many things that you want your kids to be able to achieve and then um, and learn and be able to do and be able to accomplish. You know, I just think if you have a better human being, like you're just kind of a better athlete, right? At least when you think about like a seat, uh, you know, in the high school, college and professional settings, you know, obviously those kids understand, um, you know, their skills really well. But I think if you look at a lot of kids that, um, or athletes that have um, went to the next level, they, they've been good at multiple sports and they've played, they've done all these different things. So long-term athletic development for me is just giving kids um, tools to explore movement and, and as us as coaches, being able to guide that for them, you know, um, you know, it's really crazy. I had a conversation with one of my friends the other day, you know, you know, kids really know how to play better than we do, you know? So if you like literally just watch them play, it's like, dang, like, dude, that's like what I would do normally for like one of my training sessions, you know? So I think what's really cool, especially at that young age, like you can, they, they should be a part of the conversation with sometimes what you're doing with your uh your training programs you know like literally in some of my young young classes there's just days where i'm like hey like what do you guys want to do and dude they'll tell you like what they want to do and they're like okay we're, we're gonna go with that we're gonna jump we're gonna do this we're gonna create this challenge you know so um i think a lot of that long-term athletic development really 
is getting kids to sort of um, understand movement, problem solve, and then explore a lot of different things, you know? So there's a lot of ways to do that, but really you're just, I think as a, as a coach or a healthcare professional, you're just trying to guide that exploration, you know? And so for me, the things I'm trying to do, especially with our curriculum is trying to, how can we guide um, their movement exploration um, to make sure that they're benefiting from it and that we're, we're creating qualities that we want to see, that we want to see human beings accomplish. Hey, Nick, um, you mentioned uh, kids playing multiple sports. Just want, interested in hearing, um, you know, like you said, you had a guy going to maybe a possible Power Five conference next year. Um, like, are you seeing any kind of trend with kids specializing more at the high school level to maybe just one sport? Is there a certain, you know, principle that you like to, like, you know, preach in terms of having kids specialize or play a variety of sports? Um, what's your thought process on that? Yeah. So yeah. specifically at our school, um, we're a small private school. So really a lot of our athletic success is predicated on our kids playing multiple sports. Um, we, we wouldn't survive if, you know, we, everyone was specializing, you know, so I think a lot of kids, even, you know, sometimes I'll have conversations with kids like, Hey coach, I think I'm just going to not play football next year and just focus on baseball, you know, and at the end of the day, they have to make that decision for themselves. You know, the, really what I try to do is give them as much information as possible to make sure that they're making the best decision and choice, you know? So, you know, I do tell them the, the, the pertinence and, the, um, and the, uh, the benefits of playing other sports and how that can affect, you know, injury prevention and arm care, you know? Because I, you know, I think different sports um, tend to maybe specialize more than others. Like, I think baseball is a very, like, specialized sport. Like, a lot of people love – baseball and are going to specialize that all year round. Right. You know? And so maybe a lot of times you see injuries because kids are just literally just throwing all the time, you know? And so, um, you know, just trying to have general conversations with them, um, under telling the benefits on why, and this might be the case or why you should play another sport and here's some of the benefits. So really just trying to educate those kids. Um, you know, yeah, I'll see even with our, you know, with the guy that I was talking about that was, you know, really good football player, you know, he still runs track. You know, and I encourage all our kids to, to play another sport, and they usually do so. But, um, yeah, for parents, I mean, you know, I think that's something that, you know, as coaches we just need to still predicate, you know, and, and talking about, like, listen, like there's just so many benefits to just playing different sports. And, you know, a lot of those um, Division One coaches are looking for multi-sport athletes. So even from, like, a recruiting perspective, it's like, hey, you know, there's specific coaches that literally, literally will tell you, they're looking for three sport athletes and they would choose that athlete over the specialized. So, I mean, even from like a recruiting pitch, I mean, that's something you could do as well, but really, you know, we just try to encourage and force, you know, three sport athletes and try to give them as much information as possible to make that decision. You know, at the end of the day, some kids are like, listen, coach, I ride or die this sport. And, you know, you're like, okay, you know, and then through that, that's how for me, if that's what they're doing, you know, I'm still trying to get, some variability um, in their training program. You know, if you're a single sport guy, like we're still going to hit qualities that you might get in di different sports, just so that we can, you know, um, just keep you, you know, keep you fresh. And like I said, making you a better human. So we're always attacking that regardless of, you know, single or multi-sport athlete. Nick, you mentioned like 
variability there. I think that's interesting. I feel like, you know, especially with with in regards to long term athletic development, you know, you, uh, at least I'm seeing a lot of coaches maybe utilizing a lot of uh, gymnastic sorts of movements, uh, tumbling, rolling, maybe even some obstacle courses. Um, are you utilizing any of those movements with your with your guys? Uh, if so, when in the workout are you implementing those those, those sorts of obstacle courses, games, or or any or any like gymnastic types of movements? Yes, um, that's a great question, Rob. And so yeah, the answer is yes. You know, I definitely do. I think it varies depending on maybe the population that I'm seeing that particular day. But yeah, with our younger kids, we use a lot, especially if they're in the weight room. We use a lot of obstacle course. Um, gymnastic movements um with the types of training that we're doing uh you, you just get you just get so much good stuff from um being able to create things like that tumbling rolling jumping over boxes you know um picking up a comb putting it down a certain way you know giving them you know a task whether that's like a tic-tac-toe variation or um you know stack these cones up as you do this you know and you can just get a lot of exploration and movement through that so we do use a lot of that as a lot with our, our younger kids. I mean, I still use it with our middle school or middle school kids as well. Um, and it's funny, you know, because you really get to start seeing like brain maturation uh, with these kids from like seventh and eighth grade. You know, when I get, I got some eighth graders that like are just dying to train and like want to train hard, you know, maybe more of like a, a sport specific type of training you might want to say. And then you have your seventh graders who are like craving like, Hey, can we, can we play obstacle courses today? You know, so we definitely use obstacle courses and all that type of stuff um, in our middle school and even in our high school stuff too. Our, our high school kids love that stuff too. So I would say it's definitely, um, you know, the amount of when we use it um, is different based off the age group, but I think we're using it generally speaking in, in all of our, all of our programs and, and, and training sessions um, because there's just so much you can, uh, you can get from it. And, uh, you know, it really allows kids to sort of explore. And, you know, I think one thing I think me and Rob were talking about the other day was just having like this loose um, construct sometimes to your, to your training sessions. And, you know, sometimes kids will sort of let you know, especially at certain ages, what they're ready to do that day, you know? And, you know, sometimes I'll have my middle schoolers come in and the first thing they do is they just run on and start jumping on boxes all day, you know? And for me, it's like, that's an indicator. It's like, okay, like, instead of like saying, Hey, well, we got to get this stuff done. It's, Hey, maybe we just go with that. And we're just going to work on tons of jumping stuff, you know? So, um, yeah, just sort of go off what you were saying, Rob is, yeah, we, we just, we try to take on sometimes what the kids are, are giving us that day and then trying to create drills based off what they want to do that day. still getting some good training, but yeah, we use a lot of those gymnastic movements and, and, and obstacle courses. Great. So Nick, um, you know, kind of, you know, to, summarize some things or we're looking forward, you know, what are, what are some of the, what are, what are some things right now that, you know, you're currently looking into um, or, or kind of, you know, taking in from, you know, a, a material standpoint, you know, that's going to help possibly influence some of your, you know, current, uh, current methods or your, or as your role as director of performance. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the things I've been doing, you know, I, as I said, you know, well, we're moving on, you know, trying to create a better um, curriculum for our, for our physical education, especially as our younger kids. You know, really, I'm trying to just, you know, reach out to people who do it really well. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've been in phone calls with, a, you know, a bunch of guys that really just 
at the physical education level that just do it well and just picking their brain. So, you know, there's, there's things that they've sort of shown me um, that I really, I really enjoy. You know, I, I think one thing that I really want to start doing more of is, is that whole concept of teaching games uh, or using, or using games to sort of teach skill. And so really for me, one thing I, I want to start incorporating even for the next year is just trying to, teach skill through games and, and really get creative with um, that concept. And I think what the cool thing about that is that really anyone can create a game, you know, that's really cool. And I think that's what the cool business is, you know, and that's what makes a really good strength coach or performance coaches, you know, they might see something different than another person is and they're able to create a really good drill. And then you can sort of just piggyback off that. So um, I, I really interested in that concept a lot. Um, I'm really interested and um, just really guiding our coaches maybe and how they construct practices and small-sided games. Once again, I'm, I'm not a, a guru when it comes to like the skill of specific sports, but I do understand concepts of, you know, how can we get the most out of our practice and how does, how does learning, how do, we, how do we learn better? You know, a lot of that's through small-sided game structures and and creating opportunities for, for kids to explore and learn. And then based off that, you're able to teach skill. So really just um, connecting with our coaches and being able to um, coach them up a little bit. And then really another thing that I've really been um, looking into more of is, is actually a book that our very own John Herding uh, gave me. And it has really nothing to do with uh, skill acquisition, but it actually has to do with sleep. And he read, he, he gave me a book called Why We Sleep, written by Matthew Walker. And honestly, it's really like blown my mind uh, just on how impactful sleep is. And almost like you could argue it's the most important thing we do on this planet, you know. So uh, it was really informative for me. And a lot of times those things can sometimes get neglected, especially when you're talking with kids. And really when you think about it, like if their nutrition's not right, if their sleep's not right, if their social life's not right, like everything you else do doesn't really matter, you know? So um, that's something that I've really been trying to get our kids on is, is educating them. on like, dude, like we need to get some sleep and this is why, you know, and then you can sort of expand that into all different types of performance at, at opportunities. So uh, yeah, those are a couple things that I'm looking forward to move into and, and help with and, and help our, our, our athletes with. Hey, Nick. Um quick question like from an assessment standpoint are you utilizing or do you find any benefit like are in any kind of screening tools whether it's in fms or a hybrid kind of movement screen um you know have you incorporated anything like that uh yeah no uh that's a great question and that was something that i was interested understanding for myself when i first got here you know and and like i i think i talked a little bit about in the beginning of this uh, podcast was, you know, your, your environment sort of shapes what you can do and what you can't do. And just based off of the, the time that I literally have, it's, you know, I have teams and I have sometimes 30 to 45 minutes. So, you know, there's, um, there's not a lot of opportunity to do some, you know, screenings as such. So really my, my movement assessment is really just the eye test, you know, and a lot of it's um, just, you know, I, I usually have a general program format that if there's a kid that walks in the weight room, his, his or her first day, I give that to them just to sort of see what they can do. And then based off that, you know, you know, I used to use like a, a sliding scale mechanism. Okay, well, we tried a goblet squat, we could try this, you can do that and move and slide back and forth. So um, a lot of my assessment, it's really on the fly just because I have so many kids. Um, 
So yeah. I've learned that actually works really well. And then, you know, a lot of that too is just, you know, through kids, seeing them run, seeing them cut, uh, seeing them play their sports. So that's one big thing I try to do is worst case scenario, I go out and see them play, you know, and that tells me a ton of information um, of how they move and what's actually transferring from the programs that we're doing, you know? So um, I really try to get out and watch practices when I can. And then I really go and watch, watch our games, you know, cause I think you really can start seeing, man, like what, what can they do in, in a, in a game setting, which at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to enhance is like, dude, are you a better athlete? You know? So, um, I would say those are my two biggest ones. One, just sort of seeing how they move in the weight room based off a general program um, and screen that I give them. And then number two is just going out to their practices and games and seeing how they move. Awesome, man. And then I had one, one other question, like, like what kind of relationship, like obviously I'm on the rehab side of things. Um, like, are, do you play any role in like injury prevention or just like if a player does get hurt, like a, relationships with trainers there or PTs outside of the school. Um, just interested to hear how, the, how those, uh, how those like logistics are working down there. Yeah. So we, um, we, we have connections to, uh, so we actually have two uh, athletic trainers on, on site and they're responsible for specific teams during the season. And so, yeah, we, we work very closely. Um, I wouldn't say it's a, uh, you know, we, we work in a perfect setting where, you know, where really where you guys are, it's perfect. You know, you have a semi-private setting, like there's just a constant communication time. And, you know, for us, a lot of times it looks a little different. So they get really bombarded sometimes on a daily basis. Like, Hey coach, I got, I got this, I got that, I got this. So sometimes there is tough for them because they have to address things that are right now, right now. So for me, I, I try to take the load from kids that have some lingering things and I'll have them come to the weight room and I sort of guide their, their, um, their rehab process. Um, so we do a pretty good job of that, you know, and, uh, you know, I think everything can always be better, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're always trying to, you know, work with what our kids can do and where they need to be. And so, um, it's good. Awesome. Well, Nick, man, we really appreciate you, uh, you coming on today, you know, and, and talking a little bit about your, your journey you know, and, and the application of, of everything that you've learned um, in, in your current role. You know, I think one of the things that is, is very clear is that you're making the most of, of your opportunity, you know, at, at Second Baptist. And I think one of the things that, you know, I really, really look up to is your ability to, you know, adapt, you know, and evolve um, and to give the people that you're serving, your coaches, you know, and your athletes the, the, be the best experience. Um, so again, that thanks again for, for sharing all of your, your thought process and the things that you've learned and your obstacles. Uh, cause I know, I know our listeners are going to get a lot, a lot out of that. Thanks guys. And once again, I really appreciate you guys having me and, you know, I know you guys know this, but both, all three of you have had a, uh, a profound impact on my career. So I, you know, I really appreciate you guys are, you guys do an amazing job and, you know, I'm, I'm always stealing stuff from you guys. So. Um, you guys keep me on my toes. So I really appreciate it. And, you know, I really appreciate just everything you do. You guys are, you guys are studs. Awesome. Thanks. A lot, thanks, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of training room talk powered by precision performance. If you enjoyed this episode, please like share, subscribe, 
send it to a friend. And we look forward to seeing you guys again on Training Room Talk. Take care. Did you know we now offer personalized remote programming, one-on-one video telehealth sessions, and mentorships for both students and professionals. If you're interested in any one of these, please email John at J-O-N at precisionperformancept.com and he can help you get started today.